You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. We practice what we call responsive architecture, going into conversations and meeting new clients just with no preconceived notions, right? Really listening to the wants and needs and maybe listening in between the lines too. From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most powerful women in the Central Ohio business community. I'm your host, Eleanor Kennedy, and today I'm chatting with Jennifer Rittler. Jennifer is a senior associate at Moody Nolan, one of Columbus's busiest architecture firms and the largest Black-owned architecture firm in the country. Rittler herself is also actively involved in the American Institute of Architects, serving as the first Black female treasurer of the organization's Columbus chapter. During our conversation, Rittler shared the story of what first interested her about architecture. As a kid, I was really like artistic, definitely creative. And as I matriculated through elementary school and high school and things, I had a like strong interest in math. So when I was like looking into college majors, I felt like something like bridging math and art would be like a good home for me to be in. So I'm looking through the like 100-page document of degrees and majors. I just only got through the A's. I got through architecture. <laughs> so I picked that as like my lane to start in. And then once I became like part of a community, I went to Ohio State and just enjoyed the program there. Good cohort of people to help me and support me through the program. And yeah, I haven't looked back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> architecture is one of those fields with two distinct components a tangible mathematical side, and an artistic element. I asked Jennifer to break down how the process works. Just in general about the process, like that's what I, I like really love about architecture is being able to like design something or see something like you see like a sketch on a paper become like a physical space. Like it's a pretty amazing profession to be in. And yeah, for me specifically, I specialize in sports recreation and student-focused facilities. That's the type of projects that I work on. So for that, really, like we we practice what we call responsive architecture. So it really starts with the process of listening to clients, like really engaging and fully understanding like what their needs and wants are and going into conversations and meeting new clients just with, with no preconceived notions. Right. Like, I think that's one of the unique approaches that we have and being diverse by design led firm, really listening to the wants and needs and maybe listening in between the lines, too. Mm-hmm. So we can really hone in what the true like wants and needs are in terms of desires for space, desires for design, desire for how 
for how like a university wants to lead their their institution into the future. So I think that baseline is really understand the clients and the people that we're working with. And then from that, it's really jumping into what are what ideas, new fresh ideas can we bring to someone since we have a strong like design background and lots of different typologies and space types, we can propose new ideas that we think might fit with the client's vision or different spaces, different design directions. And then it just builds a little back and forth and highly like collaborative process, Mm -hmm. I'd say. And then, yeah, through there, it's very, it's very iterative. So it's a process back and forth. It helps to get us to consensus direction, like one design, because in these situations, we're working with multiple different stakeholders, whether I have a university client, we're working with students, staff, faculty, community members, and everyone has a different point of view, right? (laughs) So it's really about just getting kind of everyone on board and just really excited about kind of one vision like for themselves, because the buildings that we design like today are like for the future. Mm -hmm. So we really bring like a kind of futuristic kind of uh, perspective when we're bringing ideas to the table. Yeah. So that's the general process. Few topics are more pressing in any industry than the pandemic. It's completely shaken up the way we work in almost every field. Architecture is no different. Obviously, it's a big topic like in our industry, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're in like the business of building and designing spaces and everyone, there's been the rush to like stay at home. (laughs) But I think, you know, what we soon like come to realize is that people like want to be together and need a sense of community, especially like in the higher ed student environment when people or like students are paying tuition to be in a college environment, right? That's part of the whole student experience is being together. with. So I think that's been a key message for us that we keep repeating. I think, yeah, people want to be together. And so when they are together, what is going to be like interesting and amazing about a space that like makes them want to be there and makes it feel a place that feels like their own too. And it's unique to them. Got it. (laughs) Well, yes, hopefully we can all be together more going forward. (laughs) Uh, On the topic of the pandemic, we were talking about this a little bit before we started. What has it been like for you personally working from home? You mentioned you had kids sort of doing the childcare aspect of it. Man, so much always. (laughs) It's very extra always. (laughs) I think, yeah, it's definitely... I think for me, one of the biggest things I learned was that I just need to prioritize more me time because things can get very overwhelming when you've got childcare issues or the daycare's closed and then you've got kids quarantined and you're trying to work and husband's like out doing things for his work. And it's definitely, it's a lot. So I think for my own, like, personal mental wellness, taking those breaks and just prioritizing time for myself has been a good lesson for me. And I'm still working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel like at least in the early days of the pandemic, working from home meant working so much more because there was no like break. Now, I did not have kids at that point, so didn't have that uh, factoring in as well. But it's just your day never ends because your office is where you live. So it's hard to carve out time. It is. Yeah. I think at first I'd try to compartmentalize this is work and this is home, but yeah, it really is a blend, at least for me. So I try to just 
embrace it as that. And even whether it's involving my kids, showing them something that I'm working on, like in my office or just try not to have such hard lines between it, just embrace it and Mm -hmm. take breaks as it comes by. So what do you do when you need to have that me time? What's your go-to way to de-stress? Binge watch Netflix. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I like to watch TV, relax. What are you watching right now? Right now, I'm I'm really into Real Housewives. Uh, That is my jam. uh (laughs) I do just the, I don't know, just the, I like reality shows. I can just like detach and, oh, their lives are crazier than mine, so Uh I must not be (laughs) doing too bad. But I know I watch about everything. I'm like History Channel, like National Geographic Channel. I love like Disney Plus, (laughs) you know, browse a lot of things. But but yeah, so I do that. And I also have like a spin bike. So I'll get on that at home, be able to take some time like for myself to relax. My big recommendation right now for everyone is Yellow Jackets. Have you heard about Yellow Jackets? So it's on Showtime, which you can add on to Amazon. And also you can get like a free week trial and the finale is this Sunday. So you could watch the whole thing in a week. But it is so good. And it is about a girl's soccer team that their plane crashes. So there's like kind of a Donner Party situation. But it's like flashbacks from present day to when they crashed in the 90s. So I feel like, especially for women who came of age in the 90s, it's got a lot of nostalgia, like really good soundtrack and stuff like that. So I'm going to have to check that out. Yes, I highly (laughs) recommend it. I'm just going to spread evangelize for Yellow Jacket. I asked Jennifer to tell me a little bit more about the work she's done. What are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? Yeah, so I have lots. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. They're all terrible. Yeah, I know. Let's see. One right now that's under construction. It's at Morgan State University mm-hmm. outside of Baltimore. It's a student housing and student dining facility. And it's going to house like over 670 students. And it's going to have dining for the entire campus. And then that project where that university is like expanding so much and their freshman classes are doubling. So there's such a strong need for student housing. We're um, actually moving on to a second phase of housing as part of that project. And we're partnered with a firm, Ford Copeland Mocked out of Baltimore uh, with that project. That's been an exciting one. And that's been my like first high rise project. It's like Mm. a 10 story one. Mm -hmm. That's an exciting one. Also, I think one of my first projects and that I worked on actually out of Chicago with a firm called Johnson & Lee. Mm-hmm. One of my first jobs when I came out with my master's degree at IIT, it was, it's called um, Ping, Ping Tom Park Boathouse. It's a small, like 2,400 square foot recreation boathouse on the Chicago River. Uh-huh. It's where, it's just like a, it's for Chicago public or parks and recs. So uh-huh. they have like kayaks, little restrooms, oh, and cool. a little like boat launch there right off of the south southern like part of Chicago there. I don't know if I would get in the river. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was thinking like, do people kayak on the Chicago River? I they grew do, up yeah. in Northwest Indiana. So I have been to the city a lot. And I remember doing the architecture boat tour along the Chicago River, but I'm just like amazed that people are oh, in yeah. the water. <laughs> and that was, um, I guess that was in 2013, 2014, the big push for like recreation and water uh-huh. and stuff. It was like, Mayor Rahm Emanuel's one of the many initiatives to do that. So that was a fun project to be a part of. Also, I'll do one more one of my <laughs> favorites. And one of my favorite clients was at Jacksonville State University uh-huh. in Alabama, like Jacksonville, Alabama, smaller, like rural college, and really had a huge need for 
an actual like student recreation wellness center on their campus. So we did a new like 32,000 square foot facility with three court gym, an indoor pool, an outdoor pool, uh, jogging track, like fitness spaces. And that was a yeah fun project. And it's really, it's fun to see how like your projects on a campus or in a community just really transform the way people use space and engage in new facilities to build their own like health and wellness. And that's yeah, awesome. Like many guests on our podcast, Jennifer came up in a field that is traditionally male dominated. I asked her about gender disparities in architecture. It's a big topic like in, in architecture for sure. It's just diversity in the profession. I see since I started in the school till now, there's definitely been improvements in the um, number of women who are in architecture programs and coming through the programs. It's really um, like in leadership that like numbers are lacking for like women and especially like women of color in architecture. So yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, when I was at Ohio State undergrad, I think I think I was probably the only black woman in my class. And there's a few other black men like in the program who were in like different years probably, but it's very sparse numbers. <laughs> and Moody Nolan is significant as a Black-owned firm. Is, is that something that appealed to you about that firm or is yeah. where you wound up? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. So yeah, Moody Nolan's the, the nation's largest African-American-owned company. Over 280 people now. We've probably more now. We're, we're in a big like, kind of growth spurt hiring. When I was looking for careers, definitely the firm name had a great reputation and just being like growing up in or going through school in Columbus, I knew like of the firm in that sense. So I've always been interested in the firm and they do like great design work. But yeah, I actually, I moved like to Chicago and lived and worked there about 10 years. And then when I was looking to move back to Ohio, it's like family's here. I wanted to start family. I had some connections at Mooney Nolan and it was one of the firms I was most interested to look at when I moved um, back to Columbus. Yeah, that's what, what drew me to it. Yeah. Well, one other thing I always like to ask guests on this podcast is advice that they would pass on to to young women listening who are interested in following in their footsteps. So what are some tips for anyone who aspires to grow in the architecture field? Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. Let's see. I think one thing, or I guess one key message would be perseverance. I think coming up through the architecture profession, like, as like black woman, there's lots of like humps and hurdles in the road that are specific to like black women. I understand that everyone kind of struggles like getting through school and things like that, but there are like specific things. And I think persevering through that, but also having a community of support is really important. And yeah, I think I would encourage people to be optimistic about their futures Mm -hmm. and excited and just know that there is like a community of people to support women like moving through architecture and the profession and also I believe like mentorship is so important whatever career level you're at if you're a freshman in college or you're a senior executive at a firm I think you being a mentor throughout your entire career is like super important and to help help support other people coming behind you or Help the people who are in front of you. Before I like came to Moody Nolan and other jobs that I've had previously, I had challenges being like recognized for my skill set, but I could clearly see that peers who would have similar skill sets and abilities were advancing more quickly or recognized more quickly. 
And to me, that puts a sense or pressure on me like, oh, well, like I see that like maybe it it imposes like self-doubt. Am I not doing enough? What do I need to do more? I'm not getting the same recognition. It's like someone else. So there was like that challenge. And I think it wasn't until I um, was in a culture that was supportive and uh, appreciative and recognized and saw my abilities. I didn't really understand that was happening so mm-hmm. much in the past until I was like at Moody Nolan and in an environment that really supported me. And I was, I guess, like when I came and started working there, I was like super surprised. Like, oh, I got a promotion. That was quick. Like, mm-hmm. So I, I didn't. So it really helps being in like the right environment for me to like gain the confidence to, you know, excel more Mm -hmm. in the profession. Yeah. That's terrific. Well, I'm glad you have found a place where you feel that. (laughs) Thank you so much. It was really great to chat with you. You too. Thank you. And thanks to you too, for listening to another edition of Women of Influence from Columbus Business First. Make sure you're following the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and never miss an episode. I'd also like to thank Jennifer again for giving us her time for this interview. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence. See you next time.